Hey y'all, this is Keela Crane. Thank you for uh, coming back to another edition of Say What Now. Um, it's been a minute because I've been traveling across the country getting people ready uh, for the election that happened this week. And of course, our discussion today will take up all of that. Um, I'm still kind of in a state of disbelief about what happened, but we will run through it, talk about it and figure out uh, what's next. Um, we have a president-elect named somebody that's not Hillary Clinton. And that is the state of affairs today in these United um, States. Tuesday afternoon, I was uh, taking calls from voters across the country um, talking about issues with them being able to cast their ballot. Um, it was a sobering note uh, that we continue to have elections in this country where uh, certain individuals are trying to be prevented uh, from being able to cast their ballot, whether they are formerly incarcerated persons, whether they are have never been incarcerated in their lives. Um, people and institutions have set up policies across the country in the south in the north in the east and the west that have prevented uh, many people uh, from being able to cast their ballot um, which is just ridiculous um, and it, it, it really gets on my nerves that we continue to have this problem. But the reason why we continue to have this problem is not only because of the browning of America, but it's also because people want to hold on to power and they know what those folks will do if they're able to grasp that power or they have seen what they can do when they exercise that power and they want to hold on to it, whether it is um, white people generally, whether it is the Republican Party, it is um, it is sobering, it is ridiculous, um, it is um, making a lot of people get fired up here um, in America and especially after what happened um, on Tuesday night. Another thing, so a couple of months ago, I was able to interview my friend uh, who's been on the show before, Christian Hanley, um, who is a Democratic strategist, um, and we talked about Brexit. And Brexit, of course, is um, when Britain, a couple of months ago, had a a referendum to decide whether or not they were going to leave the European Union, the European Union. Um, and I'll probably post that um, in a little bit. It uh, it was a collection of uh, states that allowed for um, easier trading, open borders among those uh, neighboring states and a, an economic benefit that has stretched from, I believe, um, Christian told us, um, the 1940s, right after the World War II, to the present. And two guys decided that they wanted to leave the charge um, of Britain or the United Kingdom leaving the European Union. And so um, they ran this very anti-immigrant, very hostile, uh, no real clear policies, 
um, campaign for them to leave the union. Um, the, at the time, um, the then Prime Minister David Cameron said, okay, well, let's put this up to a vote. They voted and all of the, many of the, um, many of the anti-immigration uh, people voted to leave the European Union. Many people through a protest vote, many people decided they were not going to be informed about what was going on and many people did not vote in England. And the result of that was that Britain did leave the European Union. It caused markets to crash uh, for a little while around the world. And America was like, oh, ha, 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 never here, blah, blah. Well, it happened here and on Tuesday um, because the same type of rhetoric, the same type of policy um, thoughts, the same type of um, meanness and ridiculousness that happened in England happened here for 15 months, 18 months, and the result was the same. That we have a demagogue, a racist, a xenophobe, a homophobe, um, an Islamophobe, uh, someone who has no regard to people of color in this nation, no regard to immigrants in this nation, um, unless they come from Europe, now on the precipice of becoming this nation's 45th president. Now, let me just say, number one, we have been here before in a certain circumstance because we all know that America was founded upon racism and slavery. So that's one side of this that um, it's not like we have not had presidents who completely um, lacked any kind of um, feeling towards black and brown bodies that they were an, on an equal playing field or equal level um, as white people in this country. So we've been here before. The problem with what Trump has done um, is that he has emboldened so many of the racists that were in their corners for the last about 40, 50 years. They weren't as out and out and about as they were up until the end of the civil rights movement. Once all of those policies, the Civil Rights Act, the Voting Rights Act started to become law, uh, you started to see the implementation of the Brown versus Board of Education decision, that sort of thing. You saw them kind of get into their corners. It was no longer acceptable to be a Klansman out in the public for, for the most part. It was no longer acceptable to um, call people niggers and all these other type of uh, racial slurs out in the open. So they had to get into their corners with a person like Trump coming out and saying these types of things out loud and saying that any pushback against it was, quote unquote, political correctness. You have emboldened these people to come out of the woodworks and say all types of hateful, hateful things, do all types of hateful things, uh, threaten all types of people because they are not white, not male, not Christian, not straight, 
um, and not or presumed to be any one of those things and presumed to be not from America. Um, in the past couple of days, you have seen uh, so many people online. Uh, Sean King, who is a, a columnist for the New York Daily News, um, just talked about just in the last 36 hours, last 48 hours of the the hatefulness of white people in this country have done to people of color, immigrant and non-immigrant in this country, their own fellow citizens, their or, or um, their own community members, people that were in their community all along, um, where gangs of white men have run up on women and accosted them, um, threatened their lives, said that if there was another people that they would kill them, etc. Writing and defacing uh, public places, writing things and defacing public um, places, um, students under 18 who couldn't even vote, who should know better, should be being taught better, either by their parents or by the school system themselves, threatening, saying hateful language, thinking that it's funny in some regards. Some of them may actually believe it uh, to their uh, their classmates of color and causing all kinds of disrespect all across the country. And this is before or right during the time that he stepped foot in the White House for the first time to meet the president for the first time, a man that he, that Donald Trump has disrespected for the last six years. But today, um, Thursday, November 10th, said that he met for the first time today. It is absolutely just amazing the type of callous disregard for how um, people would wind up treating others in this nation and the hatefulness that he allowed to spew out of his mouth and have emboldened to spew out of other people's mouth. Um, But we... We have a lot of work to do. Those folks that listen to this program, those people who know people who would um, find this program interesting, this podcast, um, people who are social justice interested, social justice minded. This is a problem. It's a fixable problem, but it is a problem that people are afraid to wear their uh, religious uh, regalia because they don't want to be accosted. People who have worn it all along are now removing their hijabs because they don't want um, to be accosted and in in, insulted uh, by their community members. It's ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. Children asking their parents and asking their teachers whether or not they're going to be sent back to Mexico or deported to other places in Latin America, if they're going to be sent um, to Africa or other places um, outside of the United States because of Donald Trump. It is absolutely um, heartbreaking to hear this from children 
five, six, seven years old, they're too, that they're actually concerned about this because he allowed this and the press allowed this and the Republican Party allowed this to happen. They thought it was funny in the beginning and laughed about it for the most part. Didn't do anything, didn't pressure him, didn't call him out, didn't say it was ridiculous until it came on their doorsteps, until they were ta- he was talking about their wives and talking about their children, and then they found it offensive. But even with that, he, they had emboldened him enough to the point where he was unstoppable. And now, in 70 days, he and his family will move into the White House, into the space where of the of the family that they disrespected for the last six years so um it's absolutely it's just ridiculous it's just ridiculous so we can talk a little bit about the outcome of the election but who voted in the election because a lot of the lead up to the election was talking about the black vote and how uh, black people needed to come out black people needed to vote for Hillary um, in order to uh, secure her and allow her to become president of the United States now if you are unaware of how um, black people have voted in the last few years uh, for pretty much anything. Most black people vote Democratic. So most black people were going to vote for Hillary Clinton anyway. Um, They were concerned about turnout. So they were wanting black people to turn out, turn out, turn out so that that Hillary could would. But when CNN yesterday on Wednesday showed the exit polls and preliminary exit polls, and there should be some more, I think, probably coming out or more information, more data coming out. But it showed that black women voted for Hillary and 93 to 95%. It showed that black men voted for for Hillary Clinton, 83 to 87%. So 83 to 87% of black men voted for Hillary. When they voted, voted for Hillary Clinton. 93% of the black women that voted, voted for Hillary Clinton. It showed that less than 50% of the white women that voted for that voted, voted for Hillary Clinton. So all of the issue about, and, and, and also, well, let me talk about this first real quick, that there was not a lot of outreach after the Democratic National Convention to black people to encourage them to vote early, to encourage them to get out the vote, to encourage them to register to vote for real, publicly, that we knew about. 
So Hillary Clinton went to the NAACP convention. She went to the National Action Network convention, I think last um, or earlier in the year. She went to the Urban League. She made those rounds. Um, I think that she, she went to the CBC. She went to the Trumpet Awards. She went to many different award shows um, or spaces in which <clears throat> black people attended. She went to the Black Girls Rock um event earlier in the year but after that point which granted that's a lot of outreach but grant but after that point she you did not see her leading a lot of crowds you had president obama going to some places you had the first lady going to uh some places but it really increased after there was reports that Black people weren't turning out an early vote as much for Hillary Clinton as they were for President Obama. <coughs> and with 13% of the voting population, it's hard-pressed to believe that we could definitely help, but we could not make her become president. Collectively, the anti, the, excuse me, the non-white vote was 30% of the electorate. <coughs> so, um, yeah, we could definitely help, but we could not do it all. Um, so this low key needing to be like it's not necessarily an apology, but the white women that were supposed to vote for Hillary didn't vote for her, and some of the people said that the, who they were going to vote for Hillary they lied, and some people just didn't vote at all. About half of the electorate did not vote at all for anything, which is just basically on par. Um, because in America, we just don't vote. We don't vote like we should. Uh, NPR did a post-election analysis and realized that Donald Trump won with 25% of the voting age population. That 25% of the people who were eligible to vote voted for him. Hillary Clinton got just about 25%. So it was like 25.8% of the vote voted for him. 25, 25.7 voted for him. 25.8 or 9 actually voted for her. So she got more of the vote. But because where his vote was located, he got more of the electoral college, which is how we have our voting system here in America and thus won the election. So ultimately what I'm trying to say is that this was not on us. And I will say it for the next four years. All of the foolishness that will come out of this presidency, I have no... All of the foolishness that will come out of this presidency, all of the rhetoric that will come out of this presidency, the economics... Uh, 
issues, implications of a Trump presidency, the global implications of a Trump presidency is not going to be on people of color. It is not. It's going to be on white women. It's going to be on the Republican Party. It's going to be on the folks in the rural area. That's who this is on. This is not on us. Um, and, and for people to make the suggestion that it is otherwise is absolutely wrong and ridiculous. Um, I will say also that there was a lot of talk about people being economically depressed. And that is what spurned this. But that's also ridiculous is that people, if you look at the data of people who turned out for Trump, it was mainly uh, people who made over $50,000 a year. That's number one. Number two, if there's anybody that's going to be more economically depressed, that also is black people. Black people have a higher unemployment rate than any other group of people in America. We are double the rate of whites. We are, um, I think, 1.5% the rate of Latino, uh, Latinx um, people in America. We have the highest percentage of unemployment. We are consistently um, underpaid versus white people in America. Uh, black women make, I believe, um, 66 cents on the dollar. If I'm not mistaken, it might be less than that, but it's definitely obviously not parity. And black men make less than white men. Black uh, women make less than white men and black men. Um, and Latino women make, I think, a little bit more than black women. Um, and, of course, less than white men. So if you're talking about the economic issues plaguing Americans and where their votes lie, you, again, would be looking at black people to say that's why they should vote for somebody else because they are the most economically depressed group. Now, the white people in the rural parts of America are saying that nobody's paying attention to them because they're white and that they're only paying attention. They're only paying attention to black people and Latinx people because they are the special interest group, but nobody's paying attention to them. But the very policies that President Obama instituted, particularly, particularly um, expanding, encouraging Governors to expand Medicaid and the Obamacare helps those folks. So instead of um, Fox News, listening to Fox News spin Obamacare as something horrible when they all have health care from Fox News, they don't have to worry about getting on to an exchange to find health care that if their children get sick, they are covered. But the people that they are spewing this falsities have no coverage and are going into debt and may lose their home because they refuse to get Obamacare because it has Obama's name on it. But they also are about to get their foot chopped off because they haven't been able to get the type of medical coverage that, and medical care that they need is ridiculous. So you have that issue. Um, whether or not people 
um, governors in the country have been or Congress has been paying attention uh, to issues in Appalachia and rural America and the former steel workers and car manufacturers and other um, skilled laborers. Sure. But you also have to blame Congress for not passing any of the legislation that would put people back to work to fix the infrastructure, which could go to those folks with those types of uh, skill sets who um, in these economically depressed places like Michigan and Ohio and Indiana and um, in the in the middle of the country. But of course, they elected back their representatives because they were Republicans into Congress who have done nothing over the eight years. So if you really wanted to do something, you would have changed not only the presidency, but you would also have changed on the local level, your governor, if you if that person was up for reelection, as well as changed your member of Congress who has done nothing. But of course... Because incumbents are are reelected ninety percent of the time, they were fine with their congressperson and reelected them. So all of this narr- this it's a false narrative is what I'm getting at about um, why people voted for him, who's to blame for his election, etc. Lastly, I will say is that people have the choice to elect who they want and to vote who they want, sure they do. But you also have to live with that consequence and stand in your choice. So you can choose to vote for Donald Trump all you want, but you you cannot say that you didn't um, know that he either was or is or pretended to be or a combination of those, a racist, homophobe, xenophobe, Islamophobic person. And you voted for him anyway. So when people come at you about doing that, you just need not to say anything because that is the truth. You can talk about his issues, about him saying that he's going to to um, to build a big wall. And that's also um, racist. The 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 re the rationale behind that is racist. You can talk about him wanting to ban Muslims uh, from America. The rationale behind that is Islamophobic and trying to spurn on um, anti-Muslim rhetoric and feelings for a group of people, particularly the Syrian immigrants uh, or some Syrian refugees who are trying to remove themselves from a precarious situation over in Syria where they're dodging bombs and bullets every single day to come to America, but you don't want them here because you don't know if they're going to be in ISIS. Like, it just doesn't make any sense. But whatever, you have to own that you voted for and elected this racist. Many of y'all don't have no problem with that. But when people say that to people who voted for Donald Trump, they need to own that because it's not because he, because of his policies, because he has not put forth any comprehensive policy. It's not because 
um, of his track record because he doesn't have a track record. He doesn't have a public track record. It's not because of his being transparent because he has not been transparent. It's not because of anything else. There's no other reason to have voted for him. None. When independent people who reviewed his alleged policies, because the stuff that he put on his website is not real policy, but the stuff that he says he was going to do at a specific certain time, they have all said it would increase the debt depending upon what it is. They all said it would not, it would take longer than what he said. It would be more expensive than when he said, or it would be completely unrealistic. But nobody cares about that. They just care about how it feels to them when they go hear him at these rallies or see him on TV or see him cursing people out or see him calling out the media. So once again, people who voted for Donald Trump are going to have to live with that. Um, Let's take a break and I'll be right back. So we're back and um, the last thing that I would say about the last couple of days, when we started this podcast back in January, I told you I could not wait for this election to be over. I am um, back to the exact same place. I am glad this is, that this election is over. I was exhausted. Um, I have spent the last two days basically resting um, and kind of thinking about what, um, life is kind of be going to be like under this administration. And the thing that I'm thinking about most is not necessarily me because I have enough education. I have enough, uh, set that I can do what I need to do to put, a roof over my head and clothes and food and all of that. So I'm not really concerned as some more about me. I'm concerned about the people that I serve. I'm concerned about my community. I'm concerned about um, this man being able to appoint justices to the Supreme Court that will gut everything that we have fought for for the last 150 years. I'm concerned about this man being able to appoint Um, people to cabinet positions that have no regard for anything other than white males. I'm concerned about a person that will be the face of this nation that um, will do more damage in a couple of words uh, to unravel everything. I'm concerned about... um, police involved shootings and them not being investigated because the attorney general or the person that's over the civil rights division cares nothing about civil rights and will not um pr- will not pursue these vigorous these issues vigorously. I'm concerned about the Voting Rights Act not being reformed and not being strengthened and not being vis- vigorously enforced. I'm concerned about the uh the Environmental Protection Agency for somebody being over that that does not care anything about climate change or the environment. I'm concerned about So many things. It's more than just him. It's not only him, but what he can do in the office of the presidency. I'm concerned about this clemency project that the president started 
or that was allowing so many people to be released from federal prison um, because they were locked up for um, way too long for nonviolent drug offenses. Um, and it was, so many people were being let out and being able to restart their lives and go on with their lives and be productive citizens. Um, and now we cannot continue that under this president because he does not care anything about the people that were affected by these awful drug laws. This is such a huge problem that we are confronted with. The good news is, is that there are so many of my friends and so many of us who are are thoughtful leaders in our communities all across this country that will be putting our minds together to figure out what we can do to push back. That's my hope that you think about what you can do, whatever you are, whatever walk of life you're in, uh, whatever your profession to, to ensure that your communities, that our communities will remain strong um, under this next four year administration. Um, I also encourage you to look local, think local, be local, get involved locally in your, um, elected officials, hold them accountable more than ever. Uh, too long. I think during the past eight years, we looked from on high from help from the federal government, um, to save us and to help us when most most of the things that directly affect us are in our local level. Our state um, elected officials, our local uh, municipal and county elected officials, that's where this change needs to come from, literally from the bottom up. And so it's really going to be incumbent upon us now to um, get more involved with our school boards, our county councils, our city council boards, um, and making sure that the policies that they are instituting are right the first time so that you don't have to go to the federal government and see if that they can um, overturn them. Um, I will also say that I will try to end this on a more positive note that I also have seen some great news across the country from this election of people that I know personally and people that um, I have met or have seen um, that I hope that will do great work. Um, so uh, my former classmate, uh, Ethan Ashley, was elected to the school board down in New Orleans, and I'm so excited about him and the work that he's done um, over the past five years. And I'm excited to see what he will do, um, in New Orleans with, uh, those young people and their school board. Um, Kamala Harris was elected to the Senate, um, in California, taking Barbara Boxer's a seat, um, as she retires. Um, there was, um, Tammy Duckworth, who was elected to the Senate from Illinois. Um, there's a sister in Minnesota that was elected to, I believe, the state Senate uh, there. Uh, the first Somali-American to be elected um, from that state. Um, Maggie Hassan, at last check, was up in um, New Hampshire. will be taking Kelly Ayotte's seat um, and going to the Senate. Um, so there's some good news. Um, I th my friend, Brandon uh, McGee was reelected to his spot in Connecticut. Um, so there's good news 
out of this very dark presidential election, there was good news that came out on November 8th. And I don't want to overshadow that or not respect that um, because of the awfulness of uh, what is to begin on January 20th. Um, we just have a lot of work to do, you guys. And um, I'm going to be committed to keeping this uh, podcast going so that we can be in communication and talking about what is going on, how to stay informed, how to stay engaged. Um, so I look forward to speaking with you. Always hit me up on um, Facebook, say what now, um, Twitter, say what K Crane, email us at say what now at gmail.com. Let us know what you're thinking about this election and more. Um, and uh, stay tuned. Uh, we have a busy uh, four years, a busy quadrennial, um, and it's all it's going to be up to us to make sure um, that we are um, continuing to move forward um, and not backward. So peace and power and we'll talk next week.